0: All right, hi everyone, Kevin here. I'm back with another discussion on Jay Dilla, and today I have one half of The Stacks, a co-host of Don't Let The Morton Cats Get You, and producer who goes by 10 Second Beats, Jack Davenport. Jack knows his way around the board, so it's fitting he wanted to talk about the legendary Detroit artist, instrumentalist, producer. So Jack, tell me, when did you first hear Dilla beat, and how did it feel when you connected the dots and delved more into his career?
1: I'd imagine... I'd imagine it would have been slum village um the group he was in before he went solo in the t- in the 2000s um it probably would have been fall in love which i think is slum village's like best and most popular song to this day and i think uh the way in that track he samples like two different records to create that beat is fantastic and then when i went to university um, got deeper, deeper appreciation to hip hop, diving into his like compositional techniques and his productions, and further solo career, um, and just diving through his discography on like Spotify, and just keep going.
0: Yeah, you know, I feel that man. Like, I gotta tell you, it's like you, even in your past before you even knew who he was, he definitely heard a Dilla beat because he was mm, just like, yeah, yeah. he's everywhere. everywhere in that conscious rap circle. Yeah, man, like Common. He did some Keep production it, for Ghostface. Right. Yeah.
1: De La Soul, Erica Badu.
0: Ghostface, yeah. He's Raekwon, when he did a sequel mm. for Only Built, it was ridiculous. And, you know, mm. he, he always had this, like, unique way of producing his stuff, mm. which, like, it was always specific to me when I heard it. it was always in the percussion. Yeah. And that's what hooked me. What was it that hooked you?
1: I think his approach to sampling um, just, like, anything and everything so his approach to production so dilla blew up the time way before making beats on a computer was a thing to do so you know he'd use vinyl he'd sample vinyl he'd use an akai mpc sampler and sequencer chop up all sorts of music to create beats for everyone and anyone and like the stuff he would chop up Um, in productions for himself and for other artists, just, like, the wildest stuff. Like, that whole crate-digging subculture, I'm, like, completely Mm -hmm. fascinated by.
0: Oh, most definitely, man. Like, and and even then, you just saw what kind of range he had as a producer, Mm -hmm. just even on his own. And with co-productions, I mean, when you talk Tribe Cult Quest, he did work with Mm them under that group, the Uma, with, like, you know, they did some great tracks on Beats, Rhyme, and Life, uh, Stressing Out being one of my favorites that Mm -hmm. they produced. So you know there it was always just a lot of influence, delving deep into his work that just grew, especially in those conscious rap circles. Because whenever I hear Adela beat, I just always hear like one of those more conscious, less provocative rappers. You know, the Commons, the Joey Badasses, yeah, yeah, the Ghostface and stuff like that. I think we'll, we'll get into it later, but like
1: I think his production style and someone like his weirder beats suit like a, a really versatile complex rapper in times like um, the way he messes up with rhythms and time signatures and times and like the way he builds the the sound of his beats as well he'll incorporate some wild wild sounds and I think that always lends itself to rappers who are you know comfortable working with like a weirder sort of side of beats as well as just sort of the more straight lay stuff
0: oh most definitely man I mean, listen, like like you said, it, it, he became popular, like, when he went solo, like, well, more mm-hmm. popular that is, because, you know, yeah, the yeah. more hardcore fans definitely knew Slim Village in the 90s, especially in mm-hmm. their area, but, like, you know, at that point, going coast to coast, like, I remember, like, it. I think it was a few years ago, it blew me, that's, like, I, I used to listen to The Farsight a lot, and it didn't even hit me that Dilla produced some of the beats on the second album, Yeah, yeah. And, and when you listen to it, though, like, it, it's still like that natural Dilla feel, but you still get a little bit of that hit of that sunny weather Cali vibe that Far Side sort of brings with their sort of like more breezy, choppy, like fun flows that they have.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: So was Dilla your first real introduction to the backside world of hip hop? You know, like digging into more producers, trying to see who's done what, uh, rapper yeah, producer combinations I mean, like, and stuff like that?
1: It was certainly like the first time I really took notice of like where a producer was from and the region in relation to the hip hop scene. I don't know, like my education in hip hop was like a gradual thing. So Dilla from Detroit right near Chicago, which obviously has its roots in dance music house. And I think Dilla was doing things differently from other Detroit artists of the time. And you look at people like, you know, Eminem who was coming up around the same time and what he was like doing with Dre but I feel like he aligned more with like West Coast LA hip hop as well, like the sensibilities around there. So, And obviously Dilla would become more involved in that in his later career with people like Madlib and whatnot. It certainly oh, introduced it- me to the the concept of like regional scenes within hip hop and hearing how sounds and styles can differ across the genre.
0: Oh, most definitely, man. I mean, it's, it's true. Like, you know, New York is way more grittier, p- a lot of more pianos that are mm. more on the higher pitch, like, darker side the south (laughs) yeah then you got there you go and then you got you know like the (laughs) south has two different areas houston's all chopped and screwed Mm. and you know atlanta florida that's all trap and the west coast they have their g-funk so you know it's just it's it's so expansive and it's just so vibrant but what's great is that like you still like even post his passing from cancer like Mm. you you still get a sense of like how Dilla mentally as a producer was capable of just even going outside of his own realm, mm-hmm. like not just, you know, focusing in on the stuff that he's strong with, especially with the percussion, some of that, you know, especially that percussion influence that he grew with growing up with the house and the soul and funkadelic music around that area. Mm-hmm. But as well, like, you know, when you hear all these rappers being able to assimilate over a Dilla beat, especially how different their styles are, get a sense of like who they are i mean like listen like earlier today i was just re-listening to that ex-exaltation song that where he used a dilla beat Mm. and it it felt different especially from what he's sort of known for i mean like the kid could rap but he sort of was more of an image trying to You know, sell a style, which I get. Everybody has their way. It it works or doesn't.
1: Did you see that most recent documentary on him from the year I I haven't. I
0: haven't uh, yet. That's been on. uh, Is uh, it good? uh, Yeah, it's. It's. it's, I didn't
1: really know much about the guy other than like, you know, how notorious he was around that that time and like his death and everything. So it was like an interesting insight into like a very troubled artist and like a very troubled human being. But yeah, his musicality was. uh, He was a very versatile young man.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna have to check that out, man. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, man, um, back to Dilla, like, yeah, yeah. you know, so I know you You also produce your own music. Um, mm-hmm. how much percussion do you like to work with? Are you more synthy, more electronic based? Mm-hmm. Do you like to work a little more, you know, with more instrumentals, more horns?
1: Uh, A bit of everything, really, I think. And I think that stems from what I got from Dilla. So, like, percussion, to a larger extent, Dilla's approach to just sampling music, flipping it, turning it into something completely different, I think that's definitely more prominent in his later solo stuff, like Donuts or whatever and like that's certainly my favorite album of his and like he'll sample things like jackson five speed it up chop it throw some frank zapper on it some old radiophonic workshop experiments with some beastie boys but it's not even just like the way he samples and the stuff he samples but like his the way he layers percussion and also the way he plays it into his tracks things aren't quantized things are always structured in this like swung, groovy way. It's a natural and loose way of playing percussion. It's um, it's natural and never forced. I always try and implement a sense of like life into drums and percussion, and I think that always goes back to how Dilla approached percussion as like the root of his tracks.
0: A hundred percent, man. And you sort of get that sense of like vibrancy mm-hmm. and his style really in donuts pretty much his most most famous work man like uh, what does that album mean to you (laughs) i've got it right
1: (laughs) here i've got the lp in my hand like oh i went so deep on donuts i did like part of my undergraduate degree was specializing in donuts as an album and like Mm. so my dissertation was in like um sampling as a compositional tool and for one of the examples i used donuts because like it is a sampling album. Like, I went so deep. So, like, before his death in 2006, Donuts came out. The, the album is like a sound collage because of the nature of the samples and the techniques that he uses when he produced it. Um, the original press release, I think, said it was, like, scanning radio stations in an unfamiliar city or um, playing like a crate full of half broken 45s and seven inches like buried out back of a building he would sample anything and everything and create like 31 tracks it's just incredible but there's also like outside of like the production and the musicality of it like the thematic messaging of donuts because like similar to david bowie and black star dylan knew he was dying when he was producing donuts um and it could be argued that, like, it's reflective through some of the techniques and the samples that he actually used on Donuts in, like, working on it. One of the first songs he samples, Ten CC's song, "The Worst Band in the World," and uses this as the base for the instrumental. But the vocals and instrumental arrangement of the song are manipulated and looped in really clever ways. Uh, there's a there's a vocal line of "Play me, buy me, and you play me," and then my plastics turn to gold, and Diller chops that up so much and halfway through the piece he uses the vocal line a little piece of plastic with a with a hole oh fade me fade me and he loops the fade me three times before altering it so it sounds like save me so it's slightly cut out on the attack of that um like that chop and he's just giving these like thematic messages so he'll do stuff like um taking two separate lines from a a different composition and he'll edit it to create a new phrase. So, um, what was it? It's Raymond Scott's composition uh, on the track "Lightworks," and he remixes the lines "Light up the skies," and his heart does flips. And like Dilla will playfully edit those together really quickly, and it sounds like he's saying "Light up the spliffs." And it's such like a creative and fun way. And like that would then like later like those techniques he'll use to know play around and have fun with his beats but also like some deeper thematic messaging so like um there's another one uh i i can unpick the samples in this album to death i love it so much but
0: like (laughs) i wouldn't blame you (laughs) there's there's
1: a jadecus sample um on stop and it's uh an ad-lib from Jadakus and he's like aha it's it's dat real and, like, he scratches and he pans it and he fades it on the beginning of that track. And it sounds like he's saying, is death real? And it's like, damn, this guy was dying in a hospital bed and still pumping out these beats. And it's just, oh. It's oh, like, yeah, dude. It's, it's a really in-depth album. And, like, there's so much you can take away from it, like, production-wise, um, the way he flips samples and, like, the way he tells a story through them as well. mm mm-hmm um there's a reading of the album i can't remember what book i read but it was like it's kind of dealing with grief and like the five stages of grief um so uh through the use of sampling he portrays denial anger bargaining depression and acceptance through the tracks um the track samples from the tramps composition rubber band on uh say's go and i'll get over it baby um uh, what was i gonna say trying to think about his illness and like this whole you know hospitalization obviously sadly he didn't make it out of it and it's just oh man what a man
0: i mean yeah man and, and what's even continuously just creative too is that you, you're getting somebody who is capable of like sampling stuff more than once you know mm-hmm. just sort of retreading mm-hmm. but not really because he's always using something different to orchestrate what he's getting at. We're talking like Buffalo gals on work on it and a mm. twister yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. You know, like there's ways that, you know, he sort of, pro- he keens in on just different aspects of what he's sampling to shift mm. it around and give it something, give it a new meaning. And what's what's also great, and it's like if anybody ever wants to look at these, you know, sample credits, like the the kind of people he just mixes together like, mm. it's sort of like, you know, it, 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 in, in a vacuum, you wouldn't really think that you could probably create a proper instrumental when you have, like, for example, like Diane Warwick, Jadakiss, and Skills and Rascass all sampled yeah. into one. Oh.
1: It's crazy. It's, <laughs> it's like his three records go make something completely original out of it, and, like, you have to admire the way he listens to music and he appreciates music and sees the potential in music. So mm-hmm. sampling is just like a fascinating field. And I think Dilla had like a very creative approach to it where oh, he'd, I... he'd hear like a bar loop, he'd chop it, screw it, find a drum track from another album, find a vocal from another album. And like some of his, some of his productions, like the, the list of samples on the, on the song, it's just like incredible.
0: Oh yeah, 100%. And you know that's that's always been his thing. It's a it's a key, you know, like it's it was definitely a big influence on Kanye, who you know mm-hmm. sort of revitalized the whole sample aesthetic. So yeah. you know you know Dilla, he sampled a lot, but like Kanye sort of shifted what he got and learned from Dilla and and you know other artists like Beastie Boys and sampled Dilla like artists and just recalibrated it to sort of re-engineer in the sense of like a song like Juicy where you're getting that very soulful 80s track and you're just sampling part of the chorus to create this more lively, uprooted, not necessarily pop rap, but you know, more club available record that you can that can be played and get a sense. And, you know, like has always been the big difference. Like, you know, Dillo's way of sampling is just more intuitive, more creative, more focused on character while the people who sort of got influenced by him and go from him or from that, you know, area definitely got more of a sense of taking it to that next level. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like,
1: I think some of the most ingenious stuff is when you, you can't place the sample, even if it's like a oh, 100%. popular song. So you think of Good Life, uh, Kanye West and T-Pain for years. I just thought that was an original production. And then like, I can't remember what, it was like a deconstructed video and you see Kanye pitching up and chopping PYT by Michael Jackson, like one of mm-hmm. the most famous songs ever. And it's like, damn, I didn't even know you flipped that. It's crazy. and I love that stuff.
0: Oh yeah, man. And it's, and it also grew too. like, think about him. He's just sampling a lot of old songs. Sometimes I, I, you know, sampling vocals, but you know, and, and this is taken back to, you know, other artists influenced by him and sort of the way it's all conducted and produced. Like, as you were just saying, Kanye, like even Jesus, man, like when you see that production credits, like you're just seeing credits he's given to stuff that he's taken. So it's Mm. like, it's like, for example like when he when you see the arca sample or the arca production on mm. that record it's he was at a fashion show in london and mm. arca was actually djing that show mm. and he got a sense of what arca could do as an like you know especially behind the board creating these more altruistic, like artistically vast mm. and up to sounds and sort of sampled that sampled brought Arca in, brought her in and just said, listen, just (laughs) do something similar to what you did there. Not really, so it's more of like sampling like a style that he took from. Like, it's like, all right, recreate what you just did. And we're going to sample that into this. And that's, you know, and that's sort of what's the genius about Dilla is the influence that he brings and sort of like expands beyond it, you know, and give artists a chance to expand beyond it. And even in post F, like I, I was... Uh, some of the albums that have been dropped by him, you know, mm. it still carries that same static. Like you said, like you can't pinpoint a sample sometimes, mm-hmm. but yet at the same time, like unlike donuts, it makes it harder because you get these rappers, usually just rapping over them yeah, and exactly. giving you something to listen yeah. to. Mm. But hey amen. Listen, I like the shining. So
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love the shining too, but like they're two different worlds. Like donuts is just solely music appreciation. And it's like, it kind of transcends hip hop where it's just this sound collage almost like electronica, almost plunder phonics where it's like avalanches or someone like that who only create music using fan materials. So it almost becomes like a challenge to yourself. You have six albums in front of you. What can you make using only those? And like mm-hmm. that, that limitation um, and like confining yourself in a box is, I think, when you become most creative. So my like 10 second beats alias thing started off as a very similar project when I was looking into Dilla um, and seeing his workflow, and I thought, what if I did that? What if I took, you know, a couple of my vinyl records, sampled them into my computer, and chopped them up, and tried to make a a beat using only source material. You know, I'm not using drum machines, I'm not using sample packs, I'm not using real instrumentation. I'm only using um, like found materials, and I think it's a really creative way of composing
0: music. I mean, listen, man, you showed me how creative you can be sampling. I mean, you gave me that uh, Salo <laughs> sample Salo, <solid, laughs>
1: 120 days of Sodom. Can you flip oh this
0: track into a beat? That's so, oh <laughs> well, that was fun, but um, but yeah, man. See, like it, you know, I sort of always got that vibe for me, man, and mm. it was, it's been great. And you know, you, you brought him up in the past,
1: yeah,
0: uh, Lip so what's your opinion on uh champion sound that collab album they did
1: well yeah if i didn't pick i was gonna pick well if i didn't pick dilla today i would have picked madlib because i think my introduction to hip-hop as a broader genre was probably through madlib which led to dilla but i think i came to champion sound later like after i would found both of them individually and then found this collab project and like I think the concept of the album and execution is just fantastic. It's kind of like a rap battle in one way, you know, like they're trading off. It's one track Dilla, one track Madlib. They're rapping over each other's beats back and forth, sharing these ideas, sharing these rhymes, sharing these beats. It's a really fun album. And like, there's a real nuance to the progression of the tracks as well. And it really sort of like showcases Dilla and Madlib's skills at the real height of their creative powers. I think they both they both have a different approach to sampling and production but they both gel really well together if that makes sense no
0: mm-hmm. 100 mm. it was it was a smooth clean listen for me i mean mm. like you said man like just hearing them bounce off each other is just you know mm. sort of like good vibrancy and so you know speaking of collabs what's some of your favorite dilla rapper collabs
1: so i mean mf doom was huge for me of um, course obviously from madlib we got that mad villain stuff and like post Diller's death doom used a couple of his pre-made beats so like lightworks off donuts uses that raymond scott like radiophonic experimental advertising jingle music and it's a really weird beat like you listen to it on donuts and you're like no one no one can rap to this no one can rap over this this is like its own its own thing and then doom doom just brings it and like on that i think it's on born like this the doom album from like 2009 and another jay dilla beat on Ear. and i think doom and dilla <clears throat> had a really similar approach to musicality often finding like weird things to sample but also like weird ways of constructing beats that never felt superficial but concentrated on like the raw sound so like doom as a producer like his beats are so clunky but like they're so raw and like dilla has some of that energy um other than that like fall in love slum village track pretty much perfect and uh if we're talking about the shining uh there's some amazing rapper collabs on that like uh uh, some of the energy that some of the rappers bring to those beats like Mm match perfectly like common on emc equals mc squared or uh, guilty simpson on the track baby just like mm-hmm. they just gel so well
0: oh yeah man and you know it, it gave you some artists that you've seen you heard before and some new ones you have not mm-hmm. or maybe that you know you sort of like get to hear on a dilla beat like listen i i, I never thought i'd hear on a dilla beat and we got it here and it was fantastic mm. <laughs> but man like this is so much to dilla that like you can deconstruct because i mean like even just beyond like donuts his past albums his work with Slum village the far side like this guy was just special man like it's 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 really hard to quantify like how much he really just means hip-hop in general because like he did grow up and came in through the tail end of the golden age of the 90s you know mm,
1: yeah yeah
0: that second Farsight album was until you know, mid-90s. Then you got Tribe Called Quest, which of course, that was also mid-90s to late-90s. So when he really blew up, you know, as we said, like in 2000, that was at a real turning point for hip-hop because it started to grow more to pop. But at the yeah, same there's time, like, there's like a commercialism, he stood out. There's
1: a commercialism to early 2000s, I mean, like rap, like G-rap or whatever, and like, you know, charting stuff. But like, Donuts. You would never hear on the top forty, no. man. Like that is just like sincere, like artistry and musicality. And like even like other guys at Stones Throw at that time were, were throwing out projects that had a bit more commercial. Like, oh yeah. Them, whereas Dilla was just like, nah, this is this is donuts. This is me.
0: <laughs> and he still, you know, maintained his own level. Mm. Beyond, yeah. I mean, listen. yeah the
1: the influence he's had as well in like the hip-hop community at large but also just like the instrumental hip-hop community like lo-fi hip-hop these days is is huge it's his own it's his own genre and like the amount of producers that owe their entire sort of like process and production like credits to those instrumental dilla albums and like uh, his mum like owns all like his masters or whatever and like you still pumping out albums now and then because the dude just made so much music oh yeah Dillatronic and like Marduk's collections and stuff like the man just made music and like it's not like the most active listening like oh that's like my writing music is like those Dilla projects where it is just like two minutes chill beat nice not too many jarring moments but then you go back to moments like Dil, uh, Donuts or uh, some of the stuff on Shining where he's really like playing around with musicality. It's really, really ingenious.
0: Oh, hundred percent, man. And you know, like his production is wide, everybody's mm. been on it. Like it's just it's just crazy how far his influence goes. I mean, mm. people still sample in two. Yeah. It's not out of the ordinary. Like it, it's it's almost hard to like say you're a fan of hip hop. And not know who jay dilla
1: is yeah he feels like a very much like a, a cornerstone in like not necessarily like uh like the wider mainstream stuff but like an appreciation for the genre as an art form and like the the process of sampling and hip-hop and the role of the producer i think i think he helped highlight the man behind the board rather than just like rappers and you know uh, solo artists there was more more of a concentration on the guy who's making these beats, not just the guy who's rapping over them
0: oh yeah, and you know his own production it it's it, like you said it, it builds off his character he mm. it, it, even though like sometimes he may not rap completely and he's only delivering like just pure instrumental he's still speaking mm. he's still speaking Understood. to us yeah
1: yeah because yeah. that's like his main voice is like you give him that NPC or you give him a, a box of records and his SP 303, you know, while he's in his hospital bed, and he'll he'll give you something in return that no other mm. producer can sound like, because it's like the way he hears things and the way he lays it down, just completely
0: unique. Mm-hmm. And you know, I just I just don't know where it's gonna go from here, though. Like, cause you know, we've we've seen. Like I said, we've gotten the more, sort of, not like sort of. I'd say like not weird, but more off rapper hmm. rabbit over a beat comparatively to who we've heard with the mm-hmm. XX Tentacion. Yeah, yeah. Who Who are some people you would love to hear over a beat?
1: So, like, I think you need like someone who can match the energy it depends on the beat obviously dilla had like this versatility to him he could do low energy he could do high energy someone like andre 3000 i think could bring some of that heat but like people like early like acid rap era chance the rapper i think had some of the like the flexibility to work on like a more intricate dilla beat or you look at people who are who produce their own stuff these days like Earl sweatshirt, Earl sweatshirt. He wasn't even born when Dilla was like doing his thing, really. But like, you listen to some of those Earl productions, and like, they're weird, but they're weird in a way that I feel like Dilla would admire. And I feel like that's the sort of stuff. If he was still around today, he'd be making that, pushing those boundaries. And like, I love Earl as well, and I think Earl's approach to rhymes and his flow would fit some of those weirder Dilla beats as well. And you can see that in Earl's own solo stuff these days.
0: Oh, yeah, and, you know, what's, what makes also a producer just so great, and this like, you know, Jake Dillo and others, is just that they have this kind of niche where it's like, they know they got something great mm-hmm. when they can laugh at something they've created just because of that weird little tick, or that mm-hmm. unique little direction that they're taking it, that you're like, like, I'm making this, but why did I choose to make this? Mm-hmm
1: yeah yeah well sometimes it's just out of experimentation it's like can i make this what can i make out of these sounds you know uh one of my early you know early beat tapes or whatever like i put so many restrictions on myself i would set myself like a 10 minute timer and i would grab two records and see what i could make in that time just to to put yourself under pressure and like the limitations often like spark creativity and i think a lot of that is is from Dilla, you know, he's in his hospital bed and he's making these beats all day every day from like and suffering with like this horrible horrible Ill- illness at the same time and it's just like awe-inspiring the way he he pumped out like one of my favorite albums on Death's Door and it's crazy.
0: Mhm. Oh, 100% man. And you know, we're we're, we're always going to have him, you know, mm-hmm. no matter what, either past records, new records. I mean, listen, I know one artist who usually retreads and keeps using Dilla beats and as much project as he can Joey Badass. So I'm hoping he continues to find something Mm -hmm. or sample and create more because when he goes over a Dilla beat, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. Common still picks Mm -hmm. around, gets a Dilla beat. I mean, the last Dilla beat he used was um, a sequel to um, I used to love her uh, off his um, 2019 album, Let Love Her Love, Mm -hmm. which, you know, sort of, is a new letter about the current state of hip hop, and it's like you know, using the Philip beat in the way his influence is really merged into this current artists and producers coming out today. Like it just, it just feels so like heartwarming and right. Like it's definitely one of my favorite Common songs ever.
1: Also, I don't know that one. I'm going to listen
0: to that one. Oh, it's good, man. Like mm-hmm. he he's is more reflexive and just be like, all right, I'm accepted. Hip hop don't be mad mm-hmm. of the way it's going. Culture's mm-hmm. growing. Except as what it is and you're just getting that sense is just so
1: and to use beautiful. a Dilla beat as well that sort of like ties into the thematic meanings yeah. of the whole song really because you're you're paying respects backwards to you know the legacy of Dilla and like the influence he's had on the the wider hip-hop community since his death you know uh, 16 years ago
0: now oh yeah 100 percent and um so- Is there anything else you want to say about Dilla Jack?
1: I mean, I could, I could, I'm just looking at my notes now. Um, Man, I had so much. I'm like, um, I'd read a couple of books and I'd listened to a couple of podcasts years and years ago when I did my uh, Dilla project. And like, there is a boiler room podcast I'd recommend to those interested. I think it's called Donuts Dissected. It's like an hour long podcast and it goes through some of the samples used and some of those thematic readings of them and also some of the techniques and stuff. And there's also, are you familiar with um, the 33 and a 3rd book series?
0: I've heard of them, yes. So it's a
1: book series. Each book is uh, an analysis by uh, a music writer on a certain album. I've got a couple of them like uh, D'Angelo's Voodoo and um, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. And the Donuts one is incredible. Like, if you thought you knew Jay Dilla and you thought you knew Donuts, you need to check that book out because, man, the uh, I, can't, I, I can't remember the author's name off the top of my head, but they did their research and, like, it is incredible. Some of the the parallels they draw, some of the insights they they pick into some of the songs that Dilla sampled, like, uh, on Donuts, the, the song People, he samples vocal elements from a 1974 Hindi film. And he uses uh, the vocalization section from this composition and the lyrics translate to kill me, I will go die, death proved they will go, or life is death, death is life, life is death and death is life. And it's like, did Dilla have any idea of the like lyrical content of that sample when he put it in? Or is that just like a critic's reading and reading way too into it? And like part of the mystery behind that is why I always return to donuts as well.
0: Mm Mm-hmm interesting i'm gonna have to pick up that book man that's
1: yeah 33 and a third i'm um yeah i'll, I'll talk to you after the podcast i might have a copy lying around
0: <laughs> <laughs> most definitely man um is there anything you want to plug uh
1: yeah uh listen to uh, the stacks on any podcast uh you can listen to my music uh 10 second beats i'm on spotify apple Tidal, bandcamp wherever good music is found um yeah, that's it, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. This has been this has been really hey, fun. man.
0: It's been a blast. I, you know, I'm always up for a good discussion. And listen, yeah. when you told me Jay Dilla, mm. damn, screw <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah,
1: I'll I'll if whenever you want to talk producers, man, I'm there. This is this hey, is my jam. I Anytime.
0: will. I will keep that in mind, man. I'd love to have you back.
1: Anytime, mate. Anytime.